What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today is a little change of pace. It is Wednesday, but it is not going to be an interview. Today is going to be a jam-packed training and nutrition Q&A. And on Friday, I am going to drop an interview that I did with a guy who I am super pumped for you guys to listen to. I think he is changing the game when it comes to training. And I've recently had the pleasure of learning and being around him. So I'm super pumped for him to uh, be on the show and for you guys to learn from him as well. But before we get into today's Q&A, I got to announce the winner of the Fat Grips contest. So I did post for a contest last week. I said anybody who drops a five-star rating and review is in the running for the free Fat Grips that we're going to ship out to you. So this one is from Casey Kayser, K-A-Y-S-E-R. So go ahead and email us at info at boomboomperformance.com. Let us know your email address and your obviously if you email us we'll get your email address but let us know your mailing address so we can ship you your fat grips i am going to read this real quick because it's it's an awesome review and i'm just super pumped to read this kind of stuff and this is what really fuels me guys they titled the review lasting impact and here's what they said what can i say this podcast changed my life i found this podcast last year on a road trip and started binging on episodes until i was all caught up It changed everything for me. I could go on and on about the progress I've made in so many aspects of my life. I had been lifting two years and combining that with marathon training. I loved it, but it was destroying my body and I didn't realize it. Since I found this show, I have gained 15 pounds of lean mass. Holy shit, dude. Good job. 11 months, newbie gains. Exclamation point. Corrected strength imbalances and healed a nagging hip injury from almost a decade of running. It's truly amazing how powerful great information is. I had been spinning my wheels for years, and I didn't even realize it. I starved myself, ran marathons, did yoga, CrossFit, Orange Theory, and loved it all, but my physique never changed. I was the classic skinny fat, and I didn't even have enough self-awareness to realize it. Seeing real changes over the past year was amazing, and I am so grateful. Man, so when I read this and when I started reading all these other reviews, and there's hundreds now, like it literally fired me up so much because it just shows that you can just put information out there and the and the world is so big and there's so many outlets for us to try to make change in the world now that it's so easy to help other individuals and that's all this podcast is about. So guys, if that review touched you in any way like it did me and it fired you up in any way like it did me, please go leave us a five-star rating review and tell us if this podcast has helped you in any way, shape, or form. I really love reading these. I literally go and check these all the time and it means the world to me that you have enough self-awareness to reach out and to mention something and to just take action on listening to this so you can improve your life, which honestly makes me want to bring up another quick story. Um, Shout out to Marty Marr. He's a guy who has been following the podcast, following my Instagram, following my blog, just reading a bunch of my stuff for a long time now. I mean, I I would think it's safe to say at least over a year, but he purchased my books, my eBooks, which you can go find. Um, There's links in the descriptions to all those. So he, he dialed in his nutrition. He's dialed in his training. He's dialed in his adherence and his consistency. And he sent me a before and after picture, which I am going to post up um, yesterday while you're listening to this today while I'm recording this. But um, he sent me his before and after. And the dude is shredded. Like his transformation is insane. And I think it was at least two or three months. I got to check the dates on it. But He basically was like, man, thank you for your help. Like, this is my transformation. And it's all based on reading your book, The Nutrition Hierarchy, and implementing all that you've helped me with in your content. 
that shit is so awesome. It just fired me up so much. And it just makes me more motivated to put out more and more and more content. So um, I had to share that because it's just amazing what you can do, guys, with the information that's provided to you. Now, obviously, when you hire a coach, everything's going to be more detailed, more individualized, and just even more helpful because you have that accountability, that support, and that individualized approach. But the truth is it's never an excuse to not try. Marty Marr didn't have a coach. Marty did what he could. He he took the resources that were right in front of him, a $19.99 ebook and a ton of free information that I was putting out. He used it. He, he produced his own system based on all this information that I was spitting out, and he created something that worked for him, and he got insane results, and he has multiple kids and a wife and a busy job. So, like, there's no excuses, guys. You have so much at your fingertips, and if you don't have the willpower or the, the discipline or the consistency, that's okay too. I get it. I've been there. Hire a coach. But the point is, is our bodies are the vessels for our lives. Like we should be doing everything we possibly can to make those better so our life is better. But now, now before I go on a huge rant about why it's so important to fuel our body properly, I'm going to get on to the Q&A, guys. But I wanted to share that podcast review. I wanted to share Marty's transformation real quick. Now, um, for Casey, you left an awesome review. Thank you so much for doing so. I seriously, seriously appreciate it. You are, gonna, you are the winner, so you are going to receive some Fat Grips for free from us and the guys over at Fat Grips. What I need you to do is email Tori, my assistant, at info at boomboomperformance.com and just let us know your name. Let, us, let her know that you're the winner because I don't even tell her that I'm doing these things. <laughs> She'll just get a random email. Let her know that you're the winner of the Fat Grips and give her your address. She'll pass it on to me and we'll go from there. All right, guys, without any further ado, let's get on to the Q&A. So our first question comes from Kimberly Glass. What are your feelings on a male client who is taking HGH and testosterone injections? (laughs) This is literally asking me to... (laughs) go into a controversial topic. Um, I think people would be surprised at uh, my response to this, actually, um, and my thoughts on HGH and testosterone. I think that, to be honest with you, I'm a firm believer. This may may sound really weird, but I look at steroids. um, I look at steroids like I look at religion. It's 100% your choice, and I have zero judgment on what you believe in and what you want to do. There's no reason for me to judge. It has nothing to do with me. It doesn't concern me. It is what it is. Now, I do have an issue with if you look in the bodybuilding world or the athletic world, I personally believe that like lying is just out of my integrity. It's just out of my core values. So I believe that if you're a person who is going into a drug-tested sport, uh, bodybuilding competition, anything like that, and you are claiming that you're natural when you're not, I think that is wrong. I, I do not agree with that. Um, but then I also know then there's the size. So like going to that point, if, if you take testosterone and you're doing it just to enhance your size as far as uh, muscle and, and strength and everything like that goes, that's your choice, man. I don't see anything wrong with it. To be honest with you, I think it's a life choice. I decided not to make that life choice because I just know the implications and the negative side effects that come along with it. And to me, those outweigh the positives, um, especially in the long run. I do think that to be honest with you, I mean, if we look at studies, if we look at documentaries, if we look at people who are smartly using testosterone or smartly using steroids to get bigger, 
Um, there's really not a ton of negative side effects if you are intelligent about your doses and what you are taking. There's a lot of people who did, you know, face death or face organ enlargement or all these different implications, but those people were also very dumb about it. And, you know, we look at Mr. Olympia and people like that who may have issues. Yeah, they're literally the biggest human beings on the world, like circus status. They're huge. And I've seen Mr. Olympia in person. I was, I went to an event. Like those guys are like, you think they're big on stage on TV. Like wait till you see him in real life. It's insane. But the point is, is like, that's a little too far. I think if you are intelligent about it, um, there's not really nothing wrong with it, to be honest with you. And especially if it's your choice. Now, I think that I personally like the natural way. I work with natural clients for the most part. Um, I have worked with an enhanced athlete before, um, but it's not something I do on a regular basis. It's not something I market to, obviously. Um, but I think it's a personal choice. If that's the path you want to go down, so be it. It works. I mean, let's be honest. It, it works. Um, and then I think there's the other side of HGH and, and testosterone injections. And I have, a, a, shit, multiple handfuls of friends, guys who are on – TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. So depending on the person and what they're doing, it's a medical state. It's a medical issue because there's a lot of guys I know who um, have low testosterone and their doctor prescribed it. They actually have to do it. And they're not fucking superhero jacked monsters at all. So they're not taking it to enhance that. They're literally taking the bare minimum to make sure that their testosterone is working enough to where that they can use their stuff <laughs> properly um, and for their mood to be better, their energy to be better, their sleep to be better. There's a lot of other things that testosterone as a guy, testosterone is one of the highest or the most important uh, male hormones. So there's a lot of things that our body needs testosterone for. So I have a lot of friends that are on TRT. Um, some of them are on it because there was no other route. Um, I also know some people that are on it because they took some illegal steroids the wrong way and pro hormones and things like that when they were younger. And because of that, and then them coming off of those things, it did mess up with their hormone levels. And because of that, now they need testosterone replacement therapy to be normal. So this is where like the difference kind of comes into play. There's a lot of people in today's day and age that have very, very low testosterone. I mean, shit, I, I, I should have pulled this study up before I answered this question, but I want to say that the male testosterone rate has dropped at like 40 plus percent since the 1960s or something crazy like that. Like it literally is just plummeting and it gets lower and lower and lower every single year. And it's because of artificial foods, artificial lightning, lighting, lightning, lighting. God damn. You know what's funny is like sometimes I can pronounce damn near every word when I'm having a conversation with someone. But I swear to God, and I know other podcasters that are like this, as soon as you turn on that damn mic – your words are stumbling and you're saying some weird shit and you're, you're enunciating things horribly. But what I was saying is, uh, I mean, all the artificial stuff that is in technology, lighting, uh, food, plastics, all these different things that we are exposed to in the air and in the foods we consume and the bottles of water that we drink and the machines that we use, these things are lowering testosterone. Not to mention the stress that our lives are being under with work now um, and the types of work, family stress, divorce rate is through the roof. Wonder why. Um, there's so many different factors that come into play. Um, and then there's a lot of people that are just doing the wrong things in the gym and with nutrition, period. Just eating shitty, not eating enough, um, eating too much and getting fat. Like all that you have to have a good balance between everything to increase testosterone. And it's actually pretty hard to increase testosterone through nutrition and training alone without anything else. It does take a long time. Like it's the most subtle changes um, that happen to your testosterone when you dial in 
everything. And I mean everything. You have to be dialed in in training, sleep, recovery, nutrition, hydration, stress, environment, all these things. And then you can start moving the rock and moving the needle with testosterone. The, the hard part is, is not that many people are, are comfortable doing that, are willing to put in the, the work that it takes to do that. So a lot of people go the TRT route. Um, and, and again, for some people, and I know some people personally that are like this, they don't have any other choice. Like they do eat healthy. They are in the fitness business. They are very healthy, but their body's just a little wrecked and they need a TRT. So my, my view on those things. Now, HGH is, is a completely different topic um, because HGH is a little bit different than TRT, obviously. And I'm not super well versed on steroid anything, um, any type of these drugs, but we do know, I do know that HGH, uh, human growth hormone, is a little bit different than it, – it's more of the – like you're purposely taking that to shred fat and get bigger, period, um, whereas TRT is a medical-used thing. So it really, really depends. I think if your client I've, – I've, I've had a lot of clients over the years that have taken TRT because they had no other choice, and I am in no place to tell that client, hey, you should stop taking this or hey, like make them feel like a bad person, which – because their doctor is prescribing to them. They need it. So I think that the best way to go um, with them, I don't even know if you're asking for my advice, Kim, to be honest with you. You just said my feelings. That is all my feelings, as you guys blatantly just heard. But uh, my advice, I guess, would be to just work with them where they're at. I don't think training and stuff is not going to be that much different for somebody who's on TRT. If they're on a lot of TRT and they're somewhat young, they're probably going to get faster results, which is great for you. It's not that big of a deal. Um, when somebody's on HGH, I think that is a moral choice if they feel like that's what they want to do and that's the path they want to go down. So be it. We're in no place to judge anybody for anything. Um, and you just work with them where they're at. They can probably handle a little bit more volume, a little bit more calories. All right. Um, Melina. I'm not even going to try. Actually, fuck it. I will because I just said I'm not going to. Melina, Olivia, D, D, Paola, D, Paola. I don't know. Melina asks. What to do when reverse dieting and experiencing insane weight fluctuations? Oh, this is a great question because I have multiple clients in this situation as well. Um, I think there's a few things. Like first and foremost, like fluctuations most frequently come when we have A, a lot of stress in our life. So if you're constantly seeing external stresses that are coming in and out of your life, you're probably going to have more fluctuations because your cortisol is going to be going up and down. Your stress is going to be going up and down. Your sleep is going to be uh, going like good and poor, good and poor, and just, just your quality of sleep is going to be tampered with. And all these things are going to raise cortisol. Cortisol is going to stop fat from really burning. It's going to harm your metabolism. It's going to increase water storage and water weight retention. So there's a lot of things that happen with stress. The next thing would be sleep. And they've actually done a study with this, um, just with weight loss in general, really. But um, the less you sleep, the more fat you gain, the more water you retain. It's just plain and simple because, again, it increases that stress hormone. Um, and then the next thing is just fluctuations in your nutrition. So if you're experiencing a ton of fluctuations, the first question to ask is, number one, are you actually adhering to your macros pretty well? Because if you're not hitting your macros across the week and you're, you're bumping calories up a few hundred, 400, 500, 600, and then down below your calories, 200, 300, and then you're up above and you're just not having that linear and steady progress and being consistent with it, I would say like really try to plan ahead. Like start implementing macro planning, which is something I recommend to all of my clients by just literally going into your app the day before and just mapping out your food. So what are you going to eat the next day? Put it in your app. Do it now. Then you don't have to worry about it as the day goes. Um, 
doing that is going to set up set you up so your calories are being met every single day. So if you're supposed to consume 200 calorie carbs per day, but one day is 150, one day is 250, one's 225, one is 190, you're just all over the place. You're going to experience fluctuations. It's not necessarily fat gain, but you're going to experience fluctuations. Same thing with fats. If you're doing fats, it's more likely going to be fat gain if you're going way over on fats and stuff. But the point is, is if you're fluctuating calories constantly, you can't expect a linear progress of weight being measured on the scale. Um, now, the other part of it is some people – you just need to experience weight fluctuations. It's going to happen. Your body is going through an insane adaptation and regulation phase. It is trying its hardest to create homeostasis. It's trying to build more muscle, not build more, uh, put more fat on. It's trying to burn more fat. Then it's trying to store fat because it's confused because that's what it was doing before. Because like it can sound confusing, but let's think about the period before reverse diet. Well, your body was tricked into starvation mode, right? So it's storing body fat. Or maintaining its body fat levels even though you're in a deficit because it's in quote-unquote scarcity, food scarcity. Like that's the, 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 how the mechanisms work in your body. Well, now you're throwing more food at it. Now it's confused. Do I store it? Do I burn it? Do, what do I do with it? I already have plenty stored. Do I need to store more? Is that why I'm getting more food? Is this hibernation? Like we got to remember the primate style um, like – theory and thought process our our bodies go through so i think like for some fluctuations now if you're fluctuating five to ten pounds up and down constantly it could be something completely different um i i've had a client recently that went through some gut issues and they fluctuated about 10 pounds and it was insane then once we switched the diet and went for like a more uh fodmap style plan to get rid of these foods that were bugging her she dropped 10 pounds almost overnight and looked completely different so that's a completely unrelated issue um so that could be an issue though if you're going up and down like that but for the most part if you're going on a reverse diet you got to expect it right you're going to be up and down a couple pounds at least now if you're going up again above five then you could say okay maybe i'm not being consistent maybe there's too much stress maybe um i'm training too much not recovering enough so my body again is going into max stress mode um, because that's a big thing too is a lot of people go into reverse diets and they think oh more calories I can train more um, and in some cases we can increase training but it's very very rare and the cases that's in is when you are not training barely at all when we go into the reverse like if I have somebody that was training maybe once or twice a week and we need to go into reverse yeah I'll, I'll bump the training up but for most people who need to go into reverse they're already doing cardio training six days a week they're barely sleeping so you got you got to think about just recovering more. I think that would be like before I just go on a million different tangents with this question, like when you're reverse dieting and you're experiencing insane weight fluctuations, check your stress, check your sleep, check the fluctuations of your nutrition because if your calories are constantly going up and down, you got to expect fluctuations and then just check your mindset behind it all. Like ask your coach, is this normal? Am I going through a process that is normal? I'm hitting my macros on the dot. I'm doing this reverse diet and my weight is going up and down, up and down, up and down. Is this a normal fluctuation? Chances are it probably is because if we look at what is supposed to happen in a reverse diet is we bump calories up. Our weight probably jumps up. We wait one to two weeks. Our weight comes back down. We bump calories up again. Our weight jumps back up. We wait a week or two. Weight comes back down and then we do it again. So it's it's like this up and down effect over the long haul trying to maintain that weight so if you gain weight or if you maintain weight there's always going to be fluctuations in a reverse diet charlie charlie goad thoughts on the vertical diet by stan efforting you essentially meet your horizontal micronutrients 
micronutrient needs with a small list of easily digestible foods and make up the rest of your diet with steak and white rice, easily digestible, to go vertical and meet your macros however you see it fit. So basically, um, I'm at, I mean, if we look at the science, I think this is great. The one thing I will say is like steak and white rice is super easily digestible. I even know people with serious gut issues that can easily handle white rice. It's simple. It's a good – It's great carbohydrate source to fill my muscle glycogen stores so if you're going for pure pump and performance i think white rice is honestly probably one of the best carbs to consume when we're talking about physique um physique wise and performance now steak is debatable steak is i i do great with steak i eat steak multiple times a week at least um and and my body digests it really well i think the protein source is one of the best i think that the high creatine is great um there's a lot of vitamins and minerals in steak compared to any other lean meat like chicken but the thing that i would say should be different in this diet is like if somebody's body doesn't digest steak right i would be okay with them going with chicken or turkey or something leaner like fish um now besides that I think the vertical diet is honestly, if we look at science and what makes sense, it's 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 perfect. You're getting a little bit of like everything he is about is like, okay, are we getting our protein needs from the highest quality protein sources? Yes, mainly eggs and steak is for him. Boom, check. Are we and he's a dude, he's big, so this works best for guys in my opinion, because it's a high volume diet. Um, are we getting high cholesterol based foods? Yes, steak, eggs, boom. Why is that good? That's good because that's going to help increase natural testosterone levels in men. And this has been documented over and over and over again. It's not going to be at a risk for a high cholesterol anything, which is kind of like a make made up symptom and cause like I'm not even going to go into that, but I wouldn't worry about that. It's a high cholesterol diet. Boom. Great. High vitamin turnover. The highest vitamin protein sources you can possibly get are probably going to be steak and eggs. Boom. Check. Um, the easiest digestible carbohydrate source. To make sure that we are storing those carbs as muscle fuel, muscle glycogen to build tissue and to perform better and nothing else, not store as fat. And anything we do not store as glycogen, we are going to easily pass through the gut. Check. White rice. That's boom. That's perfect. Now, what else can we fill our calories with? Easily digestible, high micronutrient dense foods. I love it. I think it's so smart because now we're putting in foods that have a really big bang for their buck. We don't have to eat a lot of them. They don't have an overly uh, amount of like volume or density or fiber that's going to leave us bloated, leave us gassy. It's a very, very low gas diet. I love that. Um, I think it's very smart. I mean his, his whole thing is like how can we make digestion easy, processing food easy and turnover of these nutrients to build muscle higher and the re and I, i've heard him talk about this multiple times and i can see why it makes sense like this his claim is that calories are not all equal which i agree with um and his claim is that you can actually eat higher amounts of calories while staying lean on this type of diet so let's say i'm on a 2000 calorie diet i would be able to stay leaner or like i if i did the if it fits your macros approach and i was just fitting whatever i wanted in my diet and let's say 2,000 is my maintenance. Well, if I followed this, my maintenance would probably be more like 2,200, 2,300, just a little bit higher. I can handle more food while staying as lean as I am on this type of diet because it's easily absorbable um, and easily digestible foods. So I do – I'm a big fan of that. And the science just – it proves it. It makes sense. And you're not overfilling your diet with a ton of different foods, um, which I actually – I think food variety is a tricky thing because there's a lot of people who say you need a lot of variety, which I have said many times in the past because it's going to help create a diverse gut microbiome um, and gut, different gut bacterias and enzymes and all these things. 
But to a certain extent, I believe in sticking with the same food groups for a good amount of time. And I think what you could do with this is every couple weeks you switch a couple of the foods. So you're still getting a little bit of gut diversity, but not an overwhelming amount to where your gut actually can't stop, think, adjust, and prioritize things. And, and especially when it comes to like fat loss and sticking to a consistent meal plan, it's so much easier to just know what the hell you're doing for every meal every day. If you have a plan like this, you're set, you're in, you're, you're good. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of it. And I think like, um, I know you, Charlie, I think that this would actually be a good approach for somebody like you who's already fairly lean but would want to get lean a little bit leaner and maybe build some muscle. I think it's great. Um, I have a few clients that I'm that come up to mind that I'm like, this would be perfect for you. You know, you want easy gut um, flow and you want to build more muscle, perform better, and you want to keep things simple so you just have a plan. Like this is this is the go-to. Um, so I'm a good fan. I'm a big fan of the vertical diet. I think the key with this is just to know like – so for me – for me, what I would do if I followed this plan is I would probably be 100% vertical Monday through Friday because for me, I just function better. And it was funny. I was literally just eating lunch today and Shannon just shook her head and I looked at her. I was like, what? And she goes, I, I don't understand how you eat the same thing every single day. And that's why this diet would work great for me. <laughs> I would wake up. I would have the same breakfast every day. I would have the same pre-workout lunch every day. Um, he does allow post-workout shakes. He's a big fan of those. So I would have my normal cyclic dextrin post-workout shake with some protein in it or BCAs, a creatine, citrulline malate, all my shit in there. Um, then I'd wait a little bit and then I'd have my steak, rice, and veggie dinner in it, and I'm good. And I do that every single day and I could keep doing that. But when it comes to the weekend, we like to switch things up, go out to eat. So for me, the vertical diet would be a Monday through Friday thing. And I think that's very possible for people. I do not know if Stan Efforting tracks macros with it because I know his belief is like those matter less. So I'm sure he's pretty – he's got – I mean he's he's been in the game for so long. I'm sure he knows a rough estimate of where he's at, like what range he's in. But I think that if you go into this, I think that you should – Make sure that you know your calorie intake so on the days you cannot be 100% on the vertical diet, you should be able to stray away from it a little bit, do your own thing, fit foods in with the flexible dieting approach, and that's what's going to make it a little bit more consistent and long-term. Jessica Evans asked, working around lower back injuries, nothing more than a strain in my case, but it's been a couple of months. I did get it checked because I was concerned. And I am still having problems with squatting and hip hinging. Obviously, I have eliminated them and am working on a lot of anti-rotation and reverse hypers as rehab. But is there something else you suggest? A, for rehab, or B, still getting a solid lower body pump? I've mainly stuck to lunge variations lately. Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, like when anybody has a, a, a lower back injury, my first go-to thing is going to be assault bike and sled work. Because they both put a lot of resistance in your legs. Like you can do 20 seconds on the assault bike. 10 seconds is going to be all out. The second 10 seconds is going to be dwindling away because you really can't push it that hard for that long. You're going to get an insane leg pump. And they've actually done studies with that. I actually believe they did a study on Ben Pakulski in his his uh, bodybuilding prep where he hurt. What did he injure? I don't know if it was his back or what. But for some reason, he couldn't do squats, couldn't do deadlifts. He couldn't do leg workouts like seriously so he did the assault bike for all of his cardio and he maintained 100% of his mass while going through a diet on his legs which we already know you're going to lose some muscle mass when you go on a serious cut so that shows that you're going to build some 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 muscle through it because there's resistance especially if you're not in a huge deficit then with sled work it's the exact same thing it's constant contraction movements 
um, or, or sorry, concentric movements. There's no eccentric. So the lowering phase is way easier on your body. You can recover a lot from it. You can do a ton of volume on it. It still builds muscle and there's zero compression on your spine while you're doing that movement. Unlike a squat, if you're doing a squat, there's a, there's a bar on your back. There's obviously compression on a deadlift. There's a lot of force on your lower back going through that flexion. So there could be some issues there. With a sled, there's zero. Sled push, sled pull, saw bike, love them. So my first thing would be like on, on your leg days, start and finish your workouts with that. Get some blood flow in there in your legs at the beginning of your workout and then get some at the end to burn out with those. Um, I would agree. If anybody has lower back issues, I'm always going a ton of unilateral work. There's no reason why we can't build just as much neurological strength and hypertrophy through the muscle doing unilateral stuff. There really isn't, um, and it's way easier on your back because, again, if I have a 200-pound bar on my back, that's 100 pounds per leg while there's still 200 pounds on my spine. But if I do a Bulgarian split squat with 100-pound dumbbells in each arm, that's 200 pounds on one leg, and oh, I'm sorry, that's still 200 pounds on the spine. What I meant to say is 50-pound dumbbells in each arm, that's still 100 pounds per leg, so the load per the muscle is the same, but the, the load on my spine is split in half because I'm going in a unilateral stance, So, um, and the weight is dropped in half um, total, just not on the muscle. So I think unilateral stuff's great. I mean, staggered RDLs, uh, anterior lunges, um, Bulgarian split squats, reverse lunges, regular split squats, forward lunges, walking lunges, side lunges, step ups. Like there's so many single leg hip thrusts. There's so many. Um, so I would do a ton of those and just crank up the volume on that. Even if your back starts feeling better, give it some time and just build up your strength in there. Um, and then last but not least, I mean, the obvious things you have to like, we can like working around it is smart so you can keep working towards your goals. And I believe in that. And that's why we are doing unilateral work. And that's why. Um, I'll even implement some machines in there. I'll do a lot of sled work on all these things. That's great. We're going to work on the muscle and we're going to give the back a recovery period. But that's a Band-Aid. What caused the injury in the first place? That's really what you have to ask yourself. Because if we go back and we know that the reason you got hurt in the first place was because you're lacking hip mobility, you're lacking thoracic mobility, you're lacking ankle mobility, you have weak lats, so you can't support the deadlift, you have a weak core, so you can't support your, your torso, your frame while you're doing these movements. We got to figure these things out. So I would say that the last step of it is just addressing what it is and working on that. If you're lacking the mobility, work on the mobility in the place you need to work on it. If you're lacking core strength and stability, start implementing dead bugs and plank holds and weighted uh, hollow holds and, and hanging hollow holds and just crawls and all these different using your core in so many different planes of motion um that's going to be the smartest thing you could possibly do uh and that just goes back to again addressing the issue that actually caused the lower back injury in the first place because even if you strengthen all your muscles you continue losing fat and you you're working towards your goal because you're working around the injury the injury is going to come back as soon as you start doing these big motor movements these big compound lifts because some, there's a weak link somewhere. Something is going on that caused it in the first place, and it will cause it again. Courtney Sturgeon, what advice do you have for individuals chasing the old them, in quotes? The 20-year-old who had no kids, worked out all the time, and could eat, could eat, could eat good, but no great. Okay, that doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> the 20-year-old who had no kids, worked out all the time, and could eat good but not great and still see results. I had to change that a little bit. Advice or mindset tips to people who ha now have kids, careers, and need to find their best selves at the new point in their lives. 
looking forward to reinvent someone new and not be upset that they can't get back to the old self. That was the most difficult question I have ever read. <laughs> I do not know why. It's been a long week, guys. I have done interviews. I have done a lot of podcasts. I've done a lot of coaching calls. Um, I just got off a coaching call. Done a lot of content. Baby's been having a rough week. That's my excuses. Take it or leave it. <laughs> so basically, what's, what advice do I have for anybody chasing the old them? Somebody who was 20 and had kids and could pretty much eat whatever and stay lean, but now it's a completely different ballgame because they're living a new life. How do we help these people reinvent themselves to become someone new and not be upset that they can't get back to the quote-unquote old self? I mean, I do think everybody has to set new standards as time goes on, right? Like um, I'll use myself as an example just because it's the easiest way to call somebody out on and. I can't work out the way I used to, and I'm only 25, and it's because my lifestyle has changed, um, and I have to accept that, and it took me a while because I would go in the gym and train for two hours and think like, man, I'm, I can do this. I used to do this all the time. I mean, shit, me and the guys at Vigor, we used to train. We'd start at like 9 and finish at like 11 p.m. I'd get home and eat dinner at midnight, fall asleep. Like That was a normal thing when I first started training really hardcore, but... Now that's not the case. Even even a, like a year ago, I would say even year two years ago, I was training an hour and a half a day. I could hit my cardio in. I could train seven days a week, no issue. Now I have to be super strategic. I don't train any longer than an hour. I only lift four days a week. I have one day where I do like accessory work, which is basically just arms and some abs, like some very light stuff, but I just like being in the gym, but it's quick, 30 minutes. I have a couple days of cardio, and it usually ends up being really low intensity because it's more of an active recovery day. And those are my days. I still train almost every day of the week, but it looks completely different because I have a baby now. I have a, res- I have a responsibility that I never had before. Um, I have business responsibilities that I've never had before. I have more clients now than I've ever had. I have a bigger business than I've ever had. I have a responsibility to put on more content than I've ever had. Um, I'm, I'm hiring employees right now. Like These are things that take up my time. They take up my thoughts. They take up my energy. They create stress, good and bad. So these things have to become a priority and I had to realize like, yo, I cannot train balls to the wall six days a week, two hours in the gym. Because once upon a time, I would lift full body for like two hours, no shit. Then the next day I would do it again. Then the next day I would do like a high-intensity cardio session, um, like all-out stair sprints like for an hour. Then the next day I'd go back to lifting and it was just like nothing. I recovered like an animal and it was because I had low stress. Um, I had less responsibility so I could sleep longer each night. Um, I, I was eating a ton of food. I had high, super high testosterone levels. Like everything was working in my favor and it only lasts so long. And this is like – I mean I started training like that when I was 19 with Luca. So – 19, 20, 21, it was like that. 22, it started slowing down as I got busier. 23, a little bit more. And then 24 was like no more. And it was really hard for me to to really check myself and realize that it, shit is just not the same as it once was. And I have to accept that. Um, but now I did. So I think the best thing is just to have a real conversation with them. And then educate the individual on – and I guess it depends which realm. So in this situation, I have to I had to educate myself on like, okay – let me learn how to do this with the bare minimum. And I started working with a lot of people who were in the same situation as me as well as I got older. And I realized that you do not have to go balls to the wall in order to get great results. In fact, that only lasts so long. And now I work with a lot of people who did that just like I did. 
but now they're burning out and they're stuck at a plateau because you can only do that much for that long. And there's certain times where you can do that, right? If I knew my stress was going to be down, I was taking time out of work or whatever for four weeks, let's say, I could ramp my training through the roof and I would be totally fine to get better results. I could overtrain and get better results. But after that four-week period when my stress returns, I'd have to bring my calories down, whatever it may be, I would have to lower that volume again. So there's certain periods of time. So if anybody is in that situation, um, as in they're not their old self anymore, they can't do what they used to do, I think just educating the individual on A, dude, you're not you, (laughs) that you're not the old you, like you got to just accept it. And then B, educate them on you don't need to do all that shit to get to the results you want to get to. Now, the other case is this person that may not look like they used to, right? There's certain people that you're never going to look like that old, old you. I I know people who went on stage or did photo shoots and got so, so lean at one point and they're just chasing that and chasing that, but their lifestyle has changed and we just have to, to educate them and help them realize what's going on and that it's okay, right? Like you're not the old you. You can't get that lean and sustain that leanness 24-7 because you're not your 20-year-old self who had super high hormones and zero responsibilities, but also you've already done it before. Guys, every time we go through a cut, every time we lose weight, it's going to get harder the next time. That's why I'm all about sustainable results. I would rather my client take the very, very slow approach. And I I love when I get clients that I'm like, hey, this is going to take six plus months, but I'd like you to stay a year because it's going to take a while. And they're like, I'm all in. Because that person, I can go, okay, we're going to get you there in six months instead of three. But because of that, it's going to be way easier and you're going to sustain that for longer. And then next year, you don't have to worry about getting cut again like you were last year. We wait, we go slow, we're patient, we do it the right way, and it's it's sustainable. And we just have to to educate the clients on that because if we don't, they assume that they can do these bulk cut, bulk cut, bulk cut, and it just gets harder and harder. Um, And it's just not a lifestyle to live. If you're not a competitive bodybuilder, there's no reason to be bulking and cutting. Um, And sometimes the more you do that in a negative way, in a harmful way, the more stubborn that body fat gets and the harder that stubborn body fat is to get off of your body. So next time you go to get cut again like you used to be when you're 20, it becomes way fucking harder because that body fat is so much more stubborn. And when we do these stressful things, our cortisol constantly goes up. Cortisol is going to store more weight on our belly, um, right around our abdominals. That's going to make it even more difficult because that's a hard place to lose body fat. And the list goes on. So to me, to be honest with you, it, it always comes back to education. So if I have any advice for people trying to chase the old self, I think that you got to realize where you're at now and and find a plan that meets your lifestyle. Like that's the motto of my business. You have to find a plan that fits your lifestyle and stop trying to fit your lifestyle into a plan because the only way you can stay consistent, the only way you can sustain a result, and the only way you're going to get to that result in a happy and functional way is if you take your time and you just be patient with it Um, and you forget about the old you. Meet yourself where you're at and just figure out what is best for you in your current life. There's nothing wrong with change and there's nothing wrong with being a different person We just have to accept that because then we can make the most out of where we're at right now. Maximilian Grimaldi asks, what's your take on ATP and HMB supplementation for trained individuals and athletes? So this one is tricky. I think both of them, like you got to look at it like this. Creatine, for example, is an extremely popular supplement. It's used so highly and it's been tested so highly and sold so much. Um, But there's a reason for that. It fucking works. There's no controversy around creatine. Now, with HMB, there's a ton of controversy around it because 
The studies that were done on uh, HMB that made it super popular were later found out to be extremely rigged, and some people actually got in some huge trouble for that. Um, the college professor that actually did the studies at school got fired, um, if I'm not mistaken. I'm almost positive because I know some people who actually went to school underneath him at the college and were in his classes um, for this kind of stuff, um, some of which are natural bodybuilders now and stuff. So I- I'm just not a fan of it. I think it's I think it's overly hyped. I think it possibly has a uh, a similar effect as BCAs, maybe a little bit higher because it's more concentrated and it's just just a little bit better, right? It has the same exact benefit as BCAs is claimed to have, except it just is a little bit higher um, from what I've read. And it, but again, the thing is is why do you think it's so hard to get pure HMB and why is it so uh, uncommonly used? Because it's all hype. The, the stuff that came out about HMB made it seem like a steroid. And the truth of the matter is it's a supplement. It's not a steroid. Steroids work, as I was talking about earlier in the podcast. But it's just – I think HMB is overly hyped. I don't think it's that useful. If you are hitting all your protein, if you're taking creatine, if you are um, training properly and you're actually running a smart training program like functional muscle, hint, hint, link in the description um, – then I think you're set. I don't think you need HMB. Now, HMB can help if you are a bodybuilder or if you are doing uh, – or you're in a bodybuilder in an extreme deficit going into stage or if you are doing fasted cardio. For example, there is a, a product with Yohimbine and HMB by Legion, and it's actually pretty smart, right? Yohimbine is only utilized when you're doing fasted cardio because Yohimbine – targets mobilizing stubborn fat like that's what it does but fat is not being mobilized unless you're exercising so the only way yohimbine works because it's only absorbed well when you're fasted is if you do fasted cardio if you're not if your schedule isn't set up to do fasted cardio yohimbine is pointless and it's it also can be dangerous because there are some negative side effects that aren't super common but they can happen um now supplementing the two of those makes sense you're doing fasted cardio for a good amount of time because you have to do it for a good amount of time to truly mobilize fat. You're taking a fat burner to enhance that effect. You're in a deficit probably because you're on a cut. You need everything you can to maintain as much muscle as possible. So H&B makes sense in that scenario, but it's just not as, as big of a hype as possible. Now, ATP supplementation, same exact answer, but even more. I would be more likely to prescribe HMB than I would ATP ever because ATP is a very unknown supplement. Most people would have to look that up right now, right? So ATP is a natural energy source that our body produces when it needs energy, right? ATP is something that kicks in to help fatigue. Now, I'm looking at a study right now. Actually, I had the window popped up as I was recording this podcast um, and reading it. So basically the goal with ATP – I'm not even going to pronounce this right, but adenosine 5-triphosphate. Like adenosine triphosphate is basically what it is. Um, What they were trying to get done with this study is when you take this stuff, they're hoping that kind of like creatine, you're able – Basically, you're able to produce a higher torque output for a longer period of time. Like you're, you get less fatigued. You can stay at a higher intensity. Um, Your muscle torque is higher, so on and so forth. What they found is that the supplementation did improve low peak muscle torque. So basically towards the end of a training session, these people could stay at a higher intensity of resistance because they took ATP. So towards the very, very end, they were able to keep a higher intensity. Now, when we look at a training session, that's great. That makes sense. That's smart, right? We're training, we're training, we're training. As we train, we get more fatigued. Energy gets lower. It's harder to maintain that. 
But on this study, they took ATP, and the group that took ATP, towards the end of the session, they were actually able to keep their uh, peak torque a little bit higher towards the end and not fatigue out so much. The issue I have with this is this is the only study I could find on it. Um, and what do you know? It's sponsored by a supplement company. This is where the issue comes. Because I read this study, and I'm like, hmm, let me dig into this more. Because if ATP truly worked that well... I'm sure I would have taken it by now, and I'm sure a lot of people would be taking it because who doesn't want to be performing better towards the last sets of their training program every single day? But most of the people inside of this study were working with or were associated with the company that actually um, – this is Metabolic Technologies Incorporated, which is the company that built and created the ATP supplementation. So this is the issue with uh, supplement studies, guys. You have to be really careful, right? There's a lot of – same thing with Yohimbine. If you go to um, Journal of International Sports Science Nutrition, which is like kind of one of my go-tos for free research reviews, if you read up on the studies all done on Yohimbine that claim to work, the issue with all of them is that they are sponsored by the company that actually makes Yohimbine. So then you go, well, fuck – if they're supporting the study, no wonder the study passes as it works, right? So it really depends on the study, guys. Now, I would say ATP is a little bit hyped up. I don't think it's that great of a product. And I think if it was, it would be selling everywhere. Everybody would t- be taking it, and I would be a monster by now because I would be all over that stuff. Um, so my point with that is it's just not it's not going to be as good as it seems, and I probably wouldn't invest in it. That's kind of my opinion on it. The thought of it is, is great, though. The theory behind it would be awesome. All right, Lauren McKenzie is a long one, guys, so bear with me. So I've now typed this three times, laughing emoji. Okay, so she obviously really wanted to ask this question, so kudos to you. So I think it's great there are so many people wanting to help other people with fitness and nutrition, but do you ever get overwhelmed with how many coaches there are actually out there and having successful business or even just getting clients in the beginning? What are some of the ways to get past this or get clients? I know you shouldn't have quote-unquote tactics to get clients, but at some point I need clients to live out my passion and help them. Just need some advice on how to get things started. Right now I am taking on people for free just so I can do something. So first and foremost, I mean I wouldn't take anybody on for free ever. Um, even like I took people on for free when I first started, so I guess that's a lie. Um, but the people I took on for free were friends that I knew 100% would support my desire to help them. And what I mean by that is they would be consistent. Nine times out of 10, you get anybody to train with you for free, they are not going to be held accountable, so they are not going to adhere to the plan. Even if you charge them a dollar a month, and I know that sounds like nothing, so what's the point? But the point is, is they've done studies that show people who pay get better results. So these individuals would pay $1, and they would stick to the plan better than the people that went for free, and they got better results at the end of the study. I can't remember. They weren't training. They were doing something else, but the point is, is when you put a dollar down, you got skin in the game. So I think that's number one. That's important. The next thing is going to be I think you should put skin in the game. You should go hire a, a business coach or a mentor or somebody or, or join a group that you have to pay monthly for to be a part of because that is going to hold you accountable to make shit happen to earn that money back. Um, I just 100% believe that. And then on top of that, having a mentor, somebody that can help guide you and, and steer you around those those experiences and and failures is always going to pay off. And this is why coaching for fitness and nutrition is so helpful too. Because for example, I've been there. I've been overweight. I've got shredded and then I gained weight again and I had to re-get shredded. Like I've been through every journey you can possibly imagine when it comes to helping achieve the result I want to achieve with my body. So when clients hire me, they know that. 
I'm able to to relate to where they are at, and that's the same thing with business coaching. I think that's huge, and it's accountability. Um, now, there are quote unquote tactics, I guess you could put to play when it comes to hiring uh, or getting leads in clients. But to be honest with you, it's so individual. The, the mentor clients I work with, a lot of times I give them completely different things to get leads because they are different people with a different message, a different mission, a different goal, a different business, different coaching style. They have different followers. They have different audiences. Like all those things come into play with how you're going to target your audience. So the best thing I can give you for advice that has worked for me is completely unbusiness related. Just show your passion. Like, I believe that I'm able to sustain my business with more clients because I just give, 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 right? I don't get paid anything for this podcast. In fact, I got some cool things coming up in the future that have to do with this podcast never being, never making money from this podcast and, and no commercials ever and stuff like that. But you guys will hear about that soon when I'm done with the project. But the point is, is I just give, give, give. I don't care about what's on the back end. I just know on the front end, I'm going to give this podcast, somebody's going to listen to it, somebody's going to get better results, and it's going to help somebody just improve their life. Every Instagram post, I just want to help people. Can I help one person with this Instagram post get through whatever they're struggling with? The email newsletter I sent out this morning, I got like five emails back. Not any of them are my clients. Not any of them are going to become my clients. But all of them told me that this email helped them. It touched them. It spoke to them. They're going to do better now because of it. That's all that matters. And when you can treat things that way, I think you solve the problem. It, it really just comes down to that. That and, and just being authentic. Like be your real self because that's what people relate to. And people don't buy the science. People buy the coach. They buy the brand. They buy what they relate to, the person they look up to. So I think if you can just be that person for them and you can just be real, you can be authentic, and you can give as much as possible while showing your passion – it's all done for you. Um, so I think uh, it's because to be honest with you, like there's so many people in this industry and it's never once scared me. It's never once made me worry. It's never made me even question, should I be a coach? Because there's so many people out there because I have something different because I am different and I am authentic and I'm real. And I'm going to help people that relate to my message because I relate to so many people's message because I've been in those shoes. So if you can look through those lens, I think things would change for you because Lauren, you are different than me. You are different than Steve. You are different than Susie. You are different than Robert. You're different than all these coaches out there and all those generic names. <laughs> but the point is, is you're a different individual. And just like our clients who we treat as different individuals, you are going to speak to different individuals. Like that's what I think is funny about a lot of people. They don't understand that we all have our own message, but we're all the same. Like we are all the same. We all have the same issues. We all have the same problems. We all have the same struggles. It's just in different areas. Right, We all don't like where we're at and we want to see more. That's all that matters. So I think it's hard for me to talk on this podcast about it because when it comes to helping people with their business, I get really in-depth on exactly what they are doing. Um, and then for other people, it's just like, yo, just be real and just put your heart out there in every single thing that you post and just put out as much content and as much information as you possibly can with the sole purpose of giving more and helping more people without any expectations on return. That's all it's about. And if you really care about this stuff, then that's a no-brainer, right? Like, I've always done this. I got into this because I just wanted to help people, not because I wanted to be a millionaire or some shit. Um, so it's a, that's that's really what it comes down to. And to be honest with you, I think that applies to everybody listening to this, whether you're a trainer or not, because I think everybody will just be happier. Like, you will be a happier person if you just give more, period. Uh, Alicia Collins asks, supplements slash products that you think are definitely beneficial and should be a part of everyone's daily regimen. Example would be mushrooms, probiotics, collagen, ETC. So 
Um, for supplements, like to be honest, I'm not big on supplements and products, um, but I'm going to take this out of the realm of just supplementation. So let me just go through my pantry. Something I take every single day that I think a lot of people can benefit from is apple cider vinegar. I know it's gross. I know it's just it's a hard, strong flavor to handle. But, you know, pour a tablespoon in a glass of water, put some squeeze some lemon in there or something and chug it down. I think apple cider vinegar, a shot a day keeps the doctor away. Um, but in general, I think it's just I think it's super, super beneficial. I'm huge on that. Um, fish oil. I think everybody needs fish oil. I think that fish oil is one of the most um, beneficial supplements you could possibly take for insulin sensitivity, blood, skin, fat loss, uh, joint inflammation, so many different things apply with fish oil. I think it's huge. I think a greens product everybody should be taking because greens is so important. I mean, digestive enzymes, probiotics, vitamins, minerals, um, so many nutrients from so many different vegetables that some of us aren't getting at all and a lot of us aren't getting enough of. So I think that's huge, especially for people who aren't getting enough. But I mean, that's a supplement I don't go a day without. Vitamin D, I think everybody should be taking vitamin D, damn near everybody, because unless you live outside, like... You're probably deficient in vitamin D, and that's such a big precursor for uh, a healthy hormonal system. So I think that's huge. Um, I think I don't take right now bone broth, but I think bone broth is something a lot of people can benefit from. I would recommend bone broth over collagen, even though it's very, very similar. I just think, you know, a lot of collagen has a lot of protein and calories in it. Bone broth doesn't. So I think bone broth is really, really good. Um, I take magnesium. I think everybody should take magnesium, the right kind of magnesium too, because magnesium is another one of those like vitamin D that people are super deficient in on a regular basis. And sometimes just whole foods, you don't get enough of it. So I think that's a big one to take because it's so beneficial for hormonal recovery, uh, muscle tissue recovery, nervous system recovery, proper sleep, just everything. I think that's huge. Um, so magnesium, I take zinc um, because zinc is a somewhat common one. And if anybody is deficient in zinc, it's a very likelihood, high likelihood that they will be low in testosterone levels. Um, I don't know. I've never been tested for zinc, but I'm just like, might as well take it. It's a, it's a safety policy to make sure my testosterone is high and thriving. Um, vitamin C, I take that daily just to protect the immune system. It actually does have some good recovery properties as well when you take it with zinc and magnesium. So I take that daily. Um, let's see. I think that's it on my supplement out of my sump of a pantry. Oh, I take Restore every day, which is kind of like a probiotic, but um, refer back to that episode I did with Zach Bush. So I think that's like, and those are like, honestly, the ones I recommend to everybody. Very rarely will I recommend anything else unless people are completely in a different spectrum of what's going on or they come to me and they're specifically deficient in vitamin B, for example. I don't think anything else. Um, vegetarians could probably benefit from creatine, BCAs, and vitamin D for sure. Um, and algae oil because they need some kind of omega-3 and that's a replacement for fish oil. But um, again, these are the ones I recommend to everybody. Now, what I would suggest for, as far as products that everybody should have that are beneficial, number one that comes to mind is some organic coffee, right? We all need some good coffee to start the day. And I don't like, that's like just part of my ritual. If I don't have good coffee, I'm a cranky bastard. So I'm big on that. And I believe in organic coffee because coffee is the most highly sprayed crop in the entire world as far as pesticides and chemicals and shit go. So I'm huge on um, on that. I believe in having a really nice Nalgene water bottle uh, free of BPA and all that stuff. And it just reminds you to drink plenty of water. So I'm big on that. I have that right next to me right now. Um, what else? Oh, tch. product. This is the best one. Apple AirPods. I love 
my headphones, my Apple AirPods. I know it has nothing to do with this, but that's a product I could not live without. I love it. Music, podcast, phone calls. Like, honestly, while I'm working, from like 5.30 a.m. to 5 p.m., it's like they almost don't come out of my ears. The battery lasts super long, too. It's pretty nice. Um, a journal, a nice journal, a blank one, like a nice leather-bound journal. I think everybody should have that and just have a chance to free write every day and just journal their thoughts reflect, review, map out, plan, blueprint. Like I think it's so important to have a journal and just have free creative writing in your plan every day. So I'm big on that. Um, and that's about it. Like if I could, if I had to like pack a backpack for like if I was stranded on an island, I was, they were like, hey, you got your, um, which is my favorite backpack, my nice Herschel navy blue with the leather strap backpack. You can put anything in it. Obviously, I would have my laptop, but they probably wouldn't let me. I would definitely have my ear, my AirPods, then my iPhone, obviously. I'd have a Nalgene water bottle. I'd have a bunch of organic coffee. I'd probably have some of those supplements. Um, I'd have my journal. Definitely have my journal. And I would probably have a nice book that I could repeatedly read over and over and over again without getting bored of or with constantly finding new lessons within. So to be honest with you, it'd probably be a Stephen King book because those are so big. I'd probably forget the beginning by the time I got to the end. But but seriously, I'd, I'd actually probably bring the Bible because it's huge. There's tons of stories in it. There's tons of lessons in it. It's something I have not read front to back. And I'm sure I could learn so much about every aspect of my life by reading the Bible front to back. And uh, if I was stranded on an island, those are the things I would bring. So I know you asked for supplements, but you got a little more. Um, let's see. Last question. More Chia, please. What's your opinion on disordered eating habits slash how to coordinate goals along with them? So I think disordered eating is – this one's tough because it's so individual. And there's certain people who – I mean, you know, food is a sedation. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, there's Everybody has a sedation, whether that's weed, alcohol, working out, cardio, um, not eating, like being anorexic or throwing up could be a sedation, um, Instagram, social media, um, and food can be a sedation, binge eating food. So I think, I think disordered eating comes down to how I would handle it and, and how to coordinate with goals. To be honest with you, I would not have any body composition related goals if I had an issue with binge eating and one of my clients have an issue with serious binge eating or disordered eating, I actually stray completely away. If there's no scale involved in our situation, there's no measurements, there's no body composition related goals, none at all. Um, whether we track macros or not depends on the individual because some people, believe it or not, it does help them because if we say, hey, we're not going to track any macros, um, they go off the off the rails. If we say we're not going to track macros, but I only want you to stick to this food list. Now we're restricting them, which is only going to it's like a ticking time bomb before they go off the rails. Um, but sometimes if we track macros, it allows them to stay within borderline and stay within range. We might not be hard on macros, but maybe it's protein and calorie goals and it allows them to have some junk food and still fit it in. So for some people, it can actually cure it and some people can make it worse. So that's really, really individual. But I would focus on performance goals. I would be like, yo, like, let's focus on getting stronger. Let's focus on getting faster. Let's focus on meditation goals. Let's focus on journaling goals. Let's focus on maybe you get a therapist. Maybe you get a psychiatrist. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of very, very successful entrepreneurs who swear by their therapist. And in fact, I've had some conversations with some people who have pretty much talked me into hiring one. I just haven't found the right one yet because I think it's, I think it's super beneficial to be able to speak to somebody about the things that go on in your head. Um, and have an unbiased opinion and somebody with a mass amount of knowledge to help you articulate what's going on and why it's going on. Um, so I would definitely dig deeper. Uh, like there is no coordinating with goals when it comes to disordered eating, to be honest with you. It's completely 
shifting your goals to performance driven, to habit based driven, to um, mindset driven. So again, meditation, yoga, um, creating space, journaling, reading, things like that, like are so much more important because like the thing is never the thing. So you don't binge eat because you have an addiction to sugar. Now there are addictions to sugar, but I believe that usually disordered eating comes from a mental side of things, right? It comes from not being happy, not being like self-sabotaging yourself. The Big Leap is a great book to come to get over self-sabotaging. Loving What Is, that's another great book to come to terms with what reality is, what's true, what's not, what stories in your head, what's not. So I think it really comes down to tapping into the mindset of things and, and digging deeper. I can't speak too much on this, to be honest with you, because I haven't had disordered eating personally. Um, I've had, I mean, I would say I binge eat a little bit when I was overweight and when I first got into training because I would have my Saturday cheat days and I would just stuff myself so much. And then Sunday I was like, screw it. It's already over. I'll start back up on Monday. And I would do that over and over and over again. So I did have some binge episodes for sure. Um, But once I started meditating, once I started digging deeper into my past, once I started like admitting things that I didn't like about my past or, or of who I once was or like what people, like some of the names, some of my friends call me for being chubby. Once I came to terms with that stuff and I owned it, all those things disappeared. So I think it really comes down to just tapping into the mindset side of things and stop centering everything around your body composition. If you can take the focus out of being completely body composition related, I think your results are going to go through the roof. And I think consistency with not having any disordered eating or binge eating is going to be a lot more likely to happen. All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show today. A couple quick announcements before I let you go. First and foremost, I just want to encourage you to check out the products I have in the description. First one is the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is a very cheap guide to literally mastering your diet. That's why it's called the All-Inclusive Guide to Mastering Your Diet. It's going to teach you exactly what and how to manage your calories, your macros, your meal timing, your supplements, your micronutrients, literally everything you need to know about dieting and nutrition and how to change your body composition through nutrition is included in this book, not just to get your results, but to actually teach you how to get those results along the way. The next thing is going to be Functional Muscle, which is my first and right now my biggest product out there. This is the program that is based on years and years and years of functional training with tons of clients. So whether your goal is strength, fat loss, or muscle gain, you should be strength training towards these goals while prioritizing functional movement patterns to make sure that you are avoiding any injuries along the way. That's exactly what this program does, and it's great because it guides you through the process, it changes throughout the process, and it gives you demonstrations and explanations about everything you're doing so you never get confused and you always have a solution. You also get access into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum. That is the only way into the forum, and that's where you can ask me literally anything about anything, and I will help guide you through the process. Last thing I want to mention, guys, is if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, that would be fantastic because it literally is one of the biggest and best ways for me to grow in the iTunes charts. Oh, yeah, and real quick, if you're not subscribed, hit the damn subscribe button because I constantly bust out content for you guys, and I spent a lot of time and effort making sure that you guys can get better results for free by simply listening to this podcast. All right, guys, I'll catch you next time.